to HR After Hours. Well, touch me for the very first time and call me Madonna Hannah Hampton. Oh How the goodness. heck are you today? I am good. How are you? I am awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm real excited. We are going to try to pack a lot of information into a pretty condensed podcast here. Mm. Uh, we have been promising our listeners that we were going to talk more about how to battle this labor market. One of the things that you and I have spent, uh, I would say, a considerable portion of our working career tackling is turnover and retention. Yeah. You and I have both been involved in it quite a bit. We've both led uh, groups and we've done committees, subcommittees, presentations, rollouts, et cetera, the stuff that we enjoy. So I want to jump in and kind of work, you know, work through that a little bit today. Sure. And the reason there's two reasons that we're covering this topic. First and foremost, we probably bring this up almost every week, but the labor market is tough and it's only going to get tougher for a while. Well, yeah. And for you, definitely, I feel like it impacts you on a daily basis because you're focusing on talent acquisition. So it, I feel like affects everything that you're working on. You know, there's a lot of competition out there. So certainly it's an important part of, uh, of human resources today. Absolutely. And it, I mean, it impacts everyone. An HR standpoint, the more people that turn over, the more that you have to hire, recruit, on board, mm-hmm. uh, acclimate, train. This I'm going to overstate the obvious, just because sometimes you and I assume that everyone that listens is, you know, fairly far along in their career, and we do have sure. some newer HR professionals that Yay. we want to take them into consideration as well. But <laughs> Once again, going back to one of our earlier podcasts, Mick Goes Bananas while reviewing the global HR census. <laughs> as we, as, as our listeners may recall, I was a little upset when they talked about supposedly the current state of HRs were in conflict with yeah. are we pro people or pro business? Well, once again, this is why I think that's a ludicrous statement. One of the m- most impactful pieces about turnover is the cost. Mm-hmm. So here's a little some stats and I've seen these stats fluctuate a little bit, but currently uh, they're saying the cost of turnover for an entry level associate is 50% of their annual salary. Wow. Gets better. That's so that's just an unskilled entry level, mm-hmm. someone that you want to work work into your system and help them grow. Yeah. A mid-level associate, uh, the cost of turnover for them is 150% of their annual salary. Wow. And then wait for this, Mm. for a specialized individual, and this could mean a specific trade, a skill set, tech, you know, a a certain niche in the tech industry, uh, an executive, whatever it is, it can cost up to 400% of their annualized salary. And so there's a lot. There's a loss of productivity, the cost of sourcing, interviewing, training, developing. You know, you've seen when you think about go ahead. I was gonna say you think you also think about the connections that people make where 
say, you know, somebody, one person leaves a company and they might have a tight network of, of friends and colleagues that they really get along with. And there's that risk of, well, are other people going to join this person's new venture? I mean, there's so many things to think about and so many things that happen when a top performer or when somebody, you know, leaves your company. Absolutely. And so here's another thing to think about, too, mm-hmm. is when you lose someone, Mm-hmm. This is almost like the restaurant business, okay? So they always say for every person that has a great dining experience, maybe they'll share it with one or two friends. Mm-hmm. But if they have a bad dining experience, they're going to share it with 10 to 15 to 20, depending. In right. this day of social media, it's even a much grander scale. So I like to call this the Yelp effect. That's yeah. right. That's my little terminology here. I'm stealing <laughs> from the restaurant business. And and so it's the Yelp effect, though. If an employee has a bad experience with your company and leaves, do you think they're keeping that to themselves? Absolutely yeah. not. They're going to Glassdoor. They're going to Indeed, wherever, where you can leave reviews on your company. Maybe they're even going to Google reviews. I don't know. But they are definitely comfortable sharing. I feel like it is... It is one of those things that uh, you need to be mindful of, again, creating that great employee experience one way or another and understanding not everyone is going to stay forever. That's gone are the days of somebody joining you and and staying for 40 years. But one way or another, creating a great employee experience because someone might leave with the fondest of memories. I know that I've left places uh, having great experience, but there was a one reason or another that I was leaving. So certainly you want to make sure that if your person stays or even if they go, that they have that great employee experience. You are on fire today. Boom. No, because <laughs> it's kind of like a breakup. If you, mm-hmm. some people are really good at breaking up and some people are terrible at yeah. it. If you remember the show Friends, Phoebe yes. was great at breaking up. Like she would just talk to them, hug them, and then they would just look at her and say, okay, goodbye and walk away. And everything was great and clean. And then I don't know about you. I've had maybe one of those breakups ever. (laughs) Uh, For some reason, people don't just jump off the McDanzig train and go, ah, it was a good ride. It's usually uh, the equivalent of some sort of world disaster or something pretty (laughs) terrible. That is something that yet another topic that we will, uh, as we continue this theme, we will talk about losing someone gracefully if it is someone that you want to possibly try to rehire in the future and B, to make sure that they don't utilize the Yelp effect and completely annihilate you and impact your ability to retain them or maybe even someone else down the road because you've now got that that bad review, so to speak. Mm -hmm. What I want to do today is talk a little bit about some of the things you can do to reduce turnover, to reduce those costs. And you and I both love this topic and you're an SME and a certain segment of it that I'm actually going to very smoothly transition the ball over to you <laughs> here in just a second. Uh-oh. But I'm nervous. Here's what, I'm I, <laughs> here's what I want to talk about is just some of the things that you can do to retain top performers. Okay. And mine are going to be a little more broad. They're going to be more on the daily, day-to-day business of things. And I know you've got some actual special things that we're going to talk about. Yes. So anyway, let's talk about it. So first and foremost, 
we always want to retain our top performers because they make our lives easier. They make us look good. And they just they're they're key contributors to the brand. So what are some of the things we can do to retain top talent? One of the things that I've seen that I think is one of the biggest errors made. And you, at first, bear with me, because when I first start this sentence, I think your heart's going to stop for a second. Okay, uh-oh. So I truly believe that sometimes one of the flaws in a day-to-day operation is utilizing consistency. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so the reason I say that is, first off, from a legal standpoint, and when it comes to policies and procedures, obviously consistency is 101. Yep. It's, it's, it's what you want to do with your brand. But, but let me ask you this, Hannah Hampton. Do you think you should treat all of your people the same? I feel like this is a loaded question. It is such a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and to our listeners, we have not discussed or rehearsed this, so I'm a little nervous, but I do feel like this is a loaded question. And my response is going to be the traditional legal slash 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 HR response, which is it it depends. However, (laughs) however, I will say, you know, consistency is key when it comes to applying your policies. If you apply them to, you know, treating everyone the same when it comes to your policies and not being a jerk, that's going to keep you on the right side of the law. But please go on with your loaded question. Well, first off, for someone who doesn't like politics, that was one of the most political answers I have ever heard. So we're now going to call you Mayor Hampton. Um, <laughs> but yes, absolutely. It was a loaded question. And what I meant by that is, yes, you want to be very consistent in your policies, procedures, um, and your day-to-day interaction with your team. However, However, top performers like to work hard And they like to be acknowledged for that hard work. So they want to know that they're doing a great job and that you see what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. if you are spending as much time with your underperforming associates as you are with your top performing, you're actually doing it wrong. And that is a kind of controversial comment to make. Mm, Yeah. But if a top performer puts in the extra hours to move the business forward, you do need to spend a little extra time with them. You need to engage with them a little more. That doesn't mean you have to go from one extreme to the other and ignore the underperforming people. But one of the biggest mistakes people do is that they focus so much time and energy on those that aren't performing at expectation Mm -hmm. that they neglect the top performers. And then they'll put, oh, I need to remember to talk to Sally. She's doing a great job. But then more and more things happen with Timmy, the terrible uh, underperforming associate that they just are like, well, they're okay because they're doing everything. They they know what they need to do. So, and we don't give them the extra time and acknowledgement. Can I but, can I jump in though real fast? Yeah, and I bet you're going to say something that leads into what I'm going to say next. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say like I I agree with you, and there's also the other scenario that all of your time gets spent on the top performer, all your times gets spent on the bottom performers, and then the people who are in the middle 
get completely ignored where you're really focusing, Hey, encouraging, making sure your top performers happy, and then really working hard on your low performer to try to get them up. Whereas people in the middle that you could be pushing even harder to get to the top, those people get ignored as well, which that's not good either. You could not be more correct. So you need to make <laughs> a plan that you are spending equal time with the people in the more in the middle, uh, your yeah. steady Eddie, so to speak. But the main thing is you want to make sure that you're not taking away any time that you can spend with the top performer just to continue over and over again to bring up another performing associate. Now, what you can do is utilize those top performers to help some of the underperforming people. Or oh, to push the middle people. There you go. To the That's top right. of the pack. Yeah. Yes. Get <laughs> them involved. Have them help you identify yeah. where people's strengths are. They work with them every day. Get them involved in. Mentorship. Mentorship. Yeah. So you, they can help you figure out what motivates the individuals, what, mm -hmm. what, how they can help move them forward. That's one of the first things I like to do with the top performer is get them involved in training and developing and things like that. Even if it's just like, you know, the training department's done, hey, let's take our top performer and have them spend time with the new person, showing them around and introducing them to everyone. The time spent may be more involved on the top performer, but it's not necessarily taking any more minutes out of your day. You're mm -hmm. finding things for them. And then, you know, what you always want to do is make sure you spend time getting to know your people as individuals. Find out what yeah. interests them, what motivates them, gear some of your engagement practices to the individuals. You and I are very good friends, but there are things that you're into that I could care less about and vice sure. versa. Yeah. And the longer you and I are on the phone, that's when we start to realize some of the things that we don't always agree on. <laughs> and we take it in but a different we'll direction. But we'll always agree on a good horror movie. <laughs> that is right. But... Another thing is, and this is at all levels, and mm -hmm. this is where I think you do an outstanding job, Hannah, utilize engagement and recognition programs. Yeah. And I have always thought that I've been pretty good at engaging a room when I'm rolling things out. But my goodness, I have watched you just <laughs> wow teams and get them excited. And once Aww. again, we're not talking about Hawaiian shirt day here, people. Nope. So, Hannah, I am a little winded from all this talking I've been doing. I want you to tell me about some of your favorite engagement or recognition programs. Sure. Well, I'm going to take a quick step back, and then I'm going to pop into some of the engagement activities. But I think one important thing about getting people engaged in your company is just ensuring that everyone understands company direction. And the company goals. I think, you know, as long as if people are connected to where the company is working towards, where they want to be, that is a really great way to make to ensure that people will stay engaged. Because if people come into work every day and don't understand how the work they're doing um, works with the company direction, it's sometimes hard to stay motivated or to understand what you're working towards. So I'd say, you know, some of the activities I'm going to talk about, they're not going to work if you're not really great at communicating company goals or company direction. So that to me, I feel like it starts at the top. You wanna make sure that your teams are aware 
where you're headed. It's kind of like you can't play football if you don't know, you know, where where the end zone is or where you need to have, you know, where you need to go to get that touchdown. So make sure that you've got that. So once you are to that point where people understand your goals, there are some things that you can do to make sure that they're staying excited and staying energized in their work every day. Mick, thank you so much for talking about my, you know, when when I've presented to groups. I will say it's so important to understand your audience. You really need to know the audience and 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 what in what excites them, what engages them. One of my I think favorite HR memories is when I was told I needed to give a quite lengthy HR presentation to a bunch of managers. And this is with regards to terminations and sexual harassment and discrimination and accommodations, which at the end of the day, these are people who are not passionate about HR. So I needed to figure out a way to get them engaged into the topic. So I was told or I was asked to just make it interesting. This is when I went with, okay, I'm going to just go for it. And if people don't like it, they'll tell me. And I basically got, I created internet memes <laughs> to go with the topics. I wrote a couple of songs and maybe rapped a little and tried to make I it really- I have heard you rap, <laughs> Hannah Hampton. Yeah, right. No, but I tried to make it interesting and I, I was not afraid to be vulnerable and to look a little silly. And I have to say, you know, people, people really responded well to this training. And again, it was people who- they had a million other things to think about besides HR practices. So I made it fun. I made it interesting. And I knew this is a group of people who needed it to be fun. Whereas, again, this is knowing your audience, where if you're talking to maybe physicians or lawyers or somebody else, uh, you know, you don't you may not need to have to add what I added to it. So, number one, know your audience and plan your activities around that. And one thing you can do, maybe have an engagement survey, understanding what they want, how they want to get their information. So just know your audience. I'd say that's number one, to have a successful engagement strategy. So now that I, I told you, you know, how to how to figure that out, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I've done in my current role. Yes, I'm talking about my current role, <laughs> which I'm pretty proud of when it comes to engagement recognition and some of the things that we do to uh, get keep our group excited. So one of the things that I recently was working on is a recognition program. Now, there's a lot of companies out there who have some great recognition tools, especially if you have a really large company. Sometimes it's hard to engage everyone. I recommend checking out what's out there. However, I'm in a small company where, you know, it might not be worth uh, the, the cost of the program to roll out a whole recognition program. So I thought, what can I do differently to pe- keep people engaged. We use Slack. Mick, do you know what Slack is? The My familiarity with it is limited uh, just from conversations with you. So I definitely sure. want to hear more about it. Okay. So Slack is a communication tool. I'm in technology. I'm in the tech world. So it is a pretty popular tool that's used by companies of all size. It's, it's, it's like an instant chat module where you can have groups, uh, you know, chat groups, you can have your whole company, you can have, you know, or direct messages. So it's a, it's a messaging system. So what I recently did was I created uh, what, you know, I created a recognition channel where people could share uh, recognition for other employees. Like, Hey, thank you for helping me on this or Hey, great work on this. Now taking it a step further, 
I wanted to align it with our company values. So trying to think through what is a creative way to get people to think about company values when uh, recognizing other people, because, hey, you know, that's the foundation of your culture or your company values. So I'm, I'm going to say this is not my idea, so I have to give credit where credit is due. But my boss was said, wouldn't it be cool if we had emojis that aligned with our company values? So I loved that idea. I connected with uh, our marketing team member, and the two of us created these great emojis that align with our values. And when we rolled out the program, it was wildly successful. People loved giving each other recognition, using the new emojis. And I think some of the long-term effects are people are really going to start to embrace our values even more by utilizing these little emojis to say, hey, you know, you did a great job at this and here's how it aligns with our company values. Way to go. So far, it's been a very successful rollout. I'm really excited. That's something that you can try and obviously cater towards your audience, your team members. But I think that's one way to create great engagement is celebrating each other, recognizing those wins and ensuring that everybody is aware. I've used a similar program. I think it was called Kudos. Yeah, where you can other it's exciting to see people celebrate other people and you can yeah. chime in like, oh, yeah, that person's always been very helpful. And some of them you issue points and things like that. But I have noticed that when you have something where other people can see it mm-hmm. and chime in yes. and engage in it, pe- people are looking for it. Like, oh, I haven't seen anything for come across for a while or, oh, yeah, I meant to recognize so and so. So I definitely yes. think it brings a a team mentality to recognition, which is outstanding. And what's really cool about Slack and, you know, and you brought up kudos, there's so many different tools out there to help you with this. And I, I recommend checking, you know, checking out to see what works for you. But one of the things I love about Slack is you can respond to a post just by clicking an emoji. So it makes it so fast. So what's really cool is now I have these recognition, you know, people are posting these recognition stories about what somebody did. And then all the team member has to do is click a button to say, hey, you know, here's the value it aligns with. So everyone gets involved in it. Everyone gets excited and likes to just even add on to the message. And you can even start a, you know, a thread where you can add on like, yeah, I totally agree. You rock. So it's just a really easy way. And that's, I think, also another key is making it easy. If you try a recognition program that's too many steps or just makes it a little unaccessible, people aren't going to do it. But if you make it that's easy, I mean, we're all over Slack at my company. So this was just a natural progression to have this channel. So it wasn't anything, a new program that anyone had to use. It was just remembering that we had this new channel to recognize one another. So we made it really easy. And I think that's where, why it became successful is it was just a normal part of people's day and uh, not really a new habit that people had to create. So I feel like it was successful. Certainly, those of you out there might have other either communication channels that you use that have this. I know that I've worked at a company that had that used Yammer. I believe it was through like Microsoft. So there's different programs where you're able to communicate to the group out there. So utilize your current programs to have these channels to help recognize one another. And I think that will help you with your company engagement. I like it. I like it a lot. And, and you're right. There's so many tools out there and it's just the key is 
just to find one that you think will actually get utilized. Yes. Uh, you can spend all this money. I mean, how many times have we seen programs, whether they're recognition programs or new company initiatives, mm-hmm. that they're all great and you spend all this time pulling your resources together and then no one executes. Right. And so I love the fact that you found something that is easy for easy. people to participate in, to mm-hmm. engage in. It doesn't take, they don't have to stop what they're doing. And you don't want it just to become an item on their to-do list for the day, right? And that's right? the thing. Like you can't make it mandatory. Like you need to do five recognitions a week because if you turn it into something that becomes a chore or it feels unauthentic, people are going to see right through it and not not do it. And they're not going to enjoy it. But this is something that's organic and it's easy and it's part of their daily life. And it's just a little, you know, just a little change to what they're already doing. And I feel like it's big impacts. That is awesome. That is outstanding. If you feel you're getting pushback when you're trying to look at these type of things, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously you've got to get a realistic budget. You've got to see what the company can afford to do. All you have to do is break down what it costs not to do these things. Right. Absolutely. And again, this, what we did was it was free because we were already utilizing the program. So it just was a little bit of time of uh, creating these emojis, creating the, I don't want to say roles, but helping people understand the why behind it. And that's all it took for us to have a successful recognition channel. What's more important to your associates is your time, your recognition, your attention. It's like Mm -hmm. like anything else. If you solicit their feedback, to give them feedback, clear communication and direction, and then you utilize some of these ideas, the rest is cake. And you reduce your turnover so you don't have to worry about that labor pool out there. Right. And guess what you can do? You can focus on doing what your business is there to do. And at the end of the day, you can make money and grow your brand. Yes. And can I share another uh, thing that we do at my current company to help engage people and create those connections. Can I, do we have time for another example? Hannah, you never have to ask. (laughs) So, you know, I, I talked about this earlier in the conversation where it's understanding your audience and even, you know, having an engagement survey, finding out what people want. But I think one of the, one of the keys to having a successful program is, is, is knowing what your people want. And there's that old kind of joke about, tech is that, oh, you know, throw some ping pong tables out there or whatever. And that's, it's almost become a joke of like having ping pong is going to engage your people. And it's, it's, it's not necessarily having a ping pong table, but I say, understand your audience, know what they like and, and gear events and gear things towards that. One of the things that my current company, I think we do a great job of is spending time and encouraging building great working relationships. And we also are not anti, and we can probably have a whole other episode about this, but we're not anti people being friends inside and outside of work. So we really encourage creating connections and building bonds. So we do a lot of, uh, we, we have quarterly events where we're going outside of the company, maybe playing, you know, going to Whirly Ball or doing things like that. But one of the things why my company, and again, I'm a small, we're a smaller company, I have a lot of people who are gamers. They love to play games, be it video games, be it board games, be it trivia. I have a huge audience of gamers. So 
One of the things that we recently rolled out was a monthly game night where we this all happens at the office and it's either a Thursday or a Friday uh, late afternoon. We bring out some sort of game and have some snacks and all get together and play games together. And, you know, it's it's one of those things we've, we've had sp- like periodic or sporadic game nights. But this year I rolled out having a monthly game night and I decided, you know, it's one of those things where I always enjoy hosting. However, it's a lot of work. And I think other people have really great ideas on fun games and other things to do. So I rolled out a program of a monthly game night. I had it on everyone's calendars. And then I asked people to volunteer to host where they got to pick the game. They got to pick the food and they get to run the evening. And I rolled it out. And within four hours, our game nights were booked through August where people were signing up. They had a theme. They were really excited about it. And we actually had our very first hosted game night last night. And I ended up being the host of the first one because I wanted to kick it off uh, since I was the person who threw it out there. But we had a really huge turnout. People were really excited. They loved to game. They loved to spend time together. They loved to laugh. And we ended up downloading Jackbox Games, which it's an online gaming system where you can have a lot of people involved. There's trivia. There's just fun, fun, interactive, quick games for us to get together, have have a drink, have some snacks, and just really bond. And I got, I got some great feedback. People had a great time, enjoyed spending time together. We started it at 4 p.m. so that if people didn't want to stay too late on a Friday, they still were able to attend and enjoy spending time with their colleagues and then other people who wanted to stay for hours. So I, I'd say, again, knowing your audience, game night might not work at your company. That's okay. But figure out other activities that you know that your team members would really enjoy. I really like that. And I like that you took the lead to do the first one. That way you could set the tone. This is, you kind of set an outline without saying this is the outline. Right. So by hosting the first one, you set the standard. And it's just a great way to connect with your your team members. And I feel like, you know, when you have those strong bonds and connections with your team member, it is hard to leave companies. And, you know, certainly there's other things to talk about, like if you're not not engaged with the work you're doing, but I think creating strong bonds and connections is always a great way to keep retention high. I love it. And you know what? Sure, we ran a little long, but I can't think of a topic more deserving of an extra seven or eight minutes. Hannah Hampton, always a pleasure. Thanks for your help. Have a good one.